Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, beautiful people of the world. Welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. Today's episode is going to be part two of my calorie counting series. This is the final episode, so it was just a two-parter, but it's going to be a solo cast, and I am excited because last episode we talked about the reasons why calorie counting doesn't work and why it's not sustainable long-term and why you should consider stopping. But of course, I wanted to do another episode on what to do instead and how to stop because it's not that easy. Calorie counting is very much an addiction. It kind of reminds me of the same feeling of kind of being like addicted to social media or addicted to your phone. Like when we when we see the numbers exactly, you know, perfect and when we see like the bells and whistles and dings and the lights and everything, it's like kind of an addiction. So I understand that it's not just as easy as deleting my fitness pal or whatever you use and calling it quits. So this episode is going to be hopefully encouraging and helpful on how to stop. It might feel like a lot of information. So I hope that you can take this, you know, assimilate it as you can. Like don't don't think too much about it. Don't try too hard. I want you to know that, you know, you you always can trust what you're hearing and you can always trust that you will assimilate what you need to assimilate. Like I think this is a side tangent, but with podcasts, there's always so much information typically in one episode. And sometimes I get overwhelmed with the amount of information. I feel like I almost have to take notes and I almost have to like get into this, like I'm in school mindset, but I want you to take a deep breath, take a deep belly breath and relax and just know and trust that you will assimilate this information. Whatever you receive from this is exactly what you need to receive for now and just focus on one thing at a time. (laughs) Hopefully that helps. So I wanted to shout out a recent review. I like doing this because ratings and reviews help me more than anything and it is such a special thing to receive. So if you have been a listener for a while and you like the show, I would really love if you could leave me a rating and review and I'm going to read a recent one and shout out somebody. So this review is from somebody called (laughs) ACF152132. Love that. And it says, if you're looking for inspiration, Kate is your girl says, if you've struggled with an eating disorder or think you're developing an unhealthy relationship with your body, food, or exercise, listen. This podcast reminds you you're not alone. There is so much more to you than your body. Don't give up and find hope here. Kate, there is something so genuinely real and hopeful about you. I found your YouTube channel right after I started getting serious about my ED recovery. Every time I thought about heading back down my old paths, I would watch your video and it would keep me motivated knowing that I could have that very real spark of life you embodied vlogging the highs and lows. I lost that spark when food rules and scary voices ran through my mind and you helped me and are still helping me in my journey. You have grown so much too. This podcast is wonderful and is blossoming. Congratulations on your new career as a coach. 
Today's 112.22 podcast on calorie counting is so relevant to me right now. Letting go of calorie, letting go of counting, even though I have moved to intuitively eating freedom, is one of the last items I am holding on to that I want to rid my mind uh, in time of. I want to take the step, but it's been so tough. I look forward to hearing what letting go looked like for you. <laughs> Words do not do justice to express my gratitude for you. Thank you for recovering. Thank you for living. Always trying to reach your highest potential. It's limitless. You have helped me so much. Ooh, I love this. Thank you so much. That was that was beautiful. I'm so grateful for you. And I am so proud of you that you are also recovering. Like we're doing this together. And I just appreciate you so much. Thank you. This is like very inspiring review too. Just reading this made me feel good. So you absolutely have that voice inside of you as well. You have a bright light and I'm really happy for you. So thank you for this review. Okay, shall we move on to the episode? I think it's time. Um, let's see here. I have some <laughs> notes. I always write notes, but it looks like a child wrote these notes. It is... It is, um, it's a lot. <laughs> they're, they're organized, but it's kind of a brain dump. So bear with me, but this is how I do it. Okay, here we are. How to stop counting calories. So before we begin, the first step to preparing is throwing away the food scales and deleting the apps, which I know I just said it's not that easy, but that is the first step in my mind of just Get, get that energy out, like get the dooming, glooming energy of having my fitness pal, of having the food scale that you use to count your weigh your food. Get it out. Just get it out. Even the the body weight scale, like your normal scale. Just just let's remove that energy. That's a dooming energy that's always in your presence. You're on your phone every single day. You don't need another app on there that's telling you how to live your life. So let's delete those we can say goodbye. And the thing about apps and deleting apps, I mean, throwing away food scales, you can't necessarily reverse, but you can always go back and buy another one, or you can always re-download the app. So let's just delete it, ideally permanently, but for now, just deleting it and getting the energy out. So let's understand this as well. This is like not necessarily the notes yet, but I wanted to mention our bodies are constantly changing and our body's needs are constantly going to change depending on so many factors, I couldn't even list them all. Hormones, stress, environment, the time of year, like we naturally eat more in the winter because we're colder and we have evolved to include more calories, more energy this time of year. And like warming foods are typically more nutrient dense, sometimes more calorie dense. And that's a good thing. That's how we've evolved to survive and to thrive on this earth. Um, we eat more in the wintertime also just because of memories and we eat we need different types of foods depending on our culture, our mood, our emotional world, our activity levels, um, or sedentary levels. Focusing on healing your metabolism is where we want to be. So we really want to focus on healing our metabolism. If we are chronic calorie counting or calorie counting in general, chances are your metabolism is not healed. If you're relying on numbers, if you're relying on external things, um, to tell you how to eat, tell you how to live, then that means you're not tuned into your internal world, which means there's probably some cues off. There's some hormonal balance off. There's thyroid off. There's lots of, I mean, chronic dieting in general, chronic low calorie eating will wreck your metabolism. So chances are you need to heal your metabolism. And 
That way you can naturally start regulating your appetite and honor your hunger, hunger and fullness cues. Many people, many of my clients struggle with appetite regulation. Either they don't feel hungry or they feel very hungry. Both of those are just a part of the healing journey that we need to mentally and physically overcome. Our metabolism slows down. I already talked about this in the last episode, but our metabolism slows down when we chronically diet, when we chronically calorie count, when we even have the mindset of, I can't trust myself, I need a calorie count, I can't trust myself, I need a calorie count. Even having that mindset will change your physiology and will put your metabolism in a a weak state. It'll slow your body down. You'll get cold more often. You'll wake up in the middle of the night. You'll have a hard time sleeping. You'll lose your period. You'll feel fatigued. You'll feel dizzy. You'll feel depressed. You'll feel anxious. All these things are signs of a low-functioning metabolism, low-functioning thyroid, low-functioning communication between your body, slow digestion. All these are signs. So the goal of recovery is to heal our metabolism physically and mentally heal. That way we never have to manipulate our bodies or exercise or anything ever again. So just wanted to start off by saying that little spiel so that we can all get the, you know, get that in our minds so that we feel encouraged and inspired to continue. So here are 10 ways and things to consider on stopping. In the beginning, this is one, in the beginning, focus on eating foods that make you feel good and stay away from overly triggering foods, slowly titrating these foods in. So after we've deleted the apps, after we're stopping the calorie counting, I know that in your mind, you can still calorie count even without the apps, but just after we start this process of healing, focus on eating foods that make you feel good. I have an entire episode dedicated to incorporating fear foods that I think is worth a listen if you resonate with this point. Basically, like I don't recommend you going and stopping calorie counting and then the next day going and eating tons of new foods, tons of fear foods. We can work our way up to eating these foods without it being so black and white. I want recovery to be sustainable. So a way that you can do that is kind of titrating up to transforming safe foods into fear foods. The way that I would do that when I was working with clients is let's say your fear food is, this is like a condensed version of the entire episode I did on this last year, but let's say your fear food is ice cream um, with, you know, fudge and cookie dough. That sounds good, right? (laughs) So let's say that's your fear food and you have not had that in years, you've been calorie counting, start by incorporating something that's a little bit maybe less scary. So instead of going out to the ice cream shop and getting the full on Sunday, you can get, you know, some frozen yogurt, store-bought frozen yogurt and putting a little bit of dark chocolate on there, right? So we can kind of work our way up. And then maybe the week after that, we work our way up even more. Obviously, this is very personal and individualized, but I think this is a little bit more of a sustainable approach. So in the beginning, of not calorie counting, you're going to feel like you're walking on nothing. You're going to feel very floaty, not very grounded because you don't have those numbers to rely on. So in order to, I think, stay in the lane of recovery and really focus on healing, I think focus on foods that you know you feel good in. And I do think that's so important to challenge yourself, but I think 
slowly doing that is a little bit more of a sustainable approach. Okay, number two, instead of calorie counting, focus on how you are feeling instead. So if you are eating your food and you are like me, I used to calorie count, and the numbers just creep in there and all of a sudden you're like unconsciously counting your calories, redirect this energy. Let's redirect. You can literally say out loud like, no, I'm not going to do this right now. And instead, let's write down or say out loud how we actually feel about the food we're eating. We can be honest. Maybe the food's making you feel tired. Maybe it's making you feel emotional. Um, Maybe it's making you feel energized or maybe it just tastes good. Maybe you're satisfied. Who knows? You can literally Google emotion wheel and you can find out exactly the emotion that you feel. Well, exactly. I don't know about exactly, but you can find out a more specific emotion from these like emotion wheels and write down your experience with it. So instead of focusing on the numbers, focus on a more feminine energy of how do I feel? What is the flow? What's going on here? And that way you still have like data kind of. You have data on the food, but it's not the calories. It's not the macros. It is instead about you. It's about you're redirecting the energy to internalize it and make it about you. So a cookie that has 300 calories, that doesn't give me any information except for how many calories the food has. I don't actually know how that cookie makes me feel. And when we're so focused on calorie counting, we literally do not have the energy or space to think about how we're feeling typically. We don't do that. So that's something that you can start cultivating and that's a a muscle you can start working on in your recovery to really decide what you like and what you don't like and what makes you feel good and bad and tired and whatever. And none of these things are bad or good necessarily. I shouldn't have said bad, but none of these things are bad or good. It's just like I said, working that muscle of how do I fit into this picture of this cookie, not just how many calories is this cookie giving to me? Okay, that was point two. Point three is macronutrient balance. So here we're talking about including carbs, fats, and proteins into all of our meals. And I would say for snacks, Aiming to do that for snacks, at least aiming to do proteins and carbs for snacks. So that means having just a banana as a snack, I don't think that cuts it. I think this is a really important time for you to focus on macronutrient balance. And again, this is a redirection of energy. This is something to think about, especially for your meals, including carbs, fats, and proteins is vital. Absolutely so important. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, carbs, fats, and proteins. Obviously, I'm not a dietitian. Obviously, I can't give anyone a meal plan, like blanket meal plan especially. But obviously, there is also importance in including fiber and vegetables and fruits and micronutrients. But in general, carbs, fats, and proteins in all of your meals. That will keep you feeling satisfied and full and will help regulate your glucose levels, your blood sugar. That way you don't have these dips and crashes and feeling satisfied and full and good throughout the day. So we are less likely to binge and 
overeat and emotional eat, all that stuff. Those aren't bad things. Those aren't necessarily bad things, but we can redirect. Um, so that's something that I think is very important. Four is focusing on food quality. So if you are focusing on the numbers of food, if you're focusing on the macronutrient balance of food in terms of like macro counting, you are, like I said, kind of wasting your energy on some facts that don't really, I think, serve us that well in the long term. But something I do think that you can think about and redirect your focus on is focusing on food quality. So buying food at the farmer's market, buying grass-fed, buying free-range, buying organic, whatever you want to do. It doesn't have to be all those things. I think just buying with intention is key here. If you are privileged enough to be able to access higher quality food and you feel good about that, go for it. It's really interesting what happens when you spend more uh, energy, maybe money on buying higher quality food. Lately, I've been going to the butcher and the meat counter and the fish counter instead of just buying prepackaged or frozen meats, which there's nothing wrong with that. I don't do that all the time. And I'm privileged enough to be able to do that. And I really appreciate that. And I feel super blessed. But it's interesting how that shift happens. And when you focus on quality and intentionality, you can actually think beyond the calories and the macros of the food. Like buying coffee that is ethical and fair trade versus buying K-cups on Amazon. You know what I mean? So just that intentionality with food can really shift the way you think about food. Something that I do every single time I eat, I try to, Rio and I both do it, my husband, we actually say out loud every single thing on the plate or in the bowl that we're eating that we're grateful for. For example, if I'm eating oatmeal, I don't actually eat that much oatmeal, but this is like an easy one I can think of. If I'm eating oatmeal, I'll literally say like, thank you to the oat farmers. Thank you to the grocery store workers. Thank you to the truck drivers. Thank you to the blueberry farmers and the um, honey bees for giving, you know, sacrificing their lives potentially and just for all their energy. And I know that sounds maybe kind of silly, but like when we are focused so much on calorie counting, we lose sight of what food actually is. Like we are literally assimilating food from mother nature from the earth and we're putting it into our bodies so that we can live and our bodies are doing this amazing process internally that we can't even see we can't even feel what's going on but we're assimilating life like we're taking in life and metabolizing it which is so beautiful and there's so much energy so many people so much time that has gone into getting the food to the grocery store, to the farmer's market, so on and so forth. So focusing on food quality is something that you can do instead of calorie counting. Number five, challenge your flexibility once a week or so, and then you can do it more and more. So this kind of goes in hand in hand with the first point I mentioned, which is focusing on eating safer foods and slowly titrating up to triggering foods. But this is about challenging yourself. And I think that this is a general statement. So obviously I don't know you personally, probably. And so I 
would work with you differently if I did. But I would say challenging your flexibility and challenging yourself once a week or so is a good place to start. So you stop calorie counting and then maybe in that same week, you do something once that challenges yourself, like having a little bit of a fear food or like having a food that you know is calorie dense. Doing that once a week, I think is a good place to start. That way you aren't overdoing it in the sense of like, mentally maybe feeling like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I just ate so many calories. Now I have to do these compensatory behaviors because sometimes, you know, recovery is a journey. It's not just this linear upwards trend. We can look back and say like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or I wish I would have done this differently. So just to be very safe and gentle with yourself, I think once a week is a good place to start. But I do think you have to do it sometimes. I don't think to speak on the first point and this point, I don't think it's a good idea to never challenge yourself and to always eat safe foods. That's not what I'm saying. I just think it's important to focus on doing it slowly, sustainably, doing it with somebody, doing it in a way where you feel supported. Number six, I want you to think of your hunger and fullness cues like a gas tank. Um, I hate when people say food is fuel because food is a lot more than fuel. But for the sake of this point, you can think of your hunger and fullness like a gas tank. And if you're relearning these cues, that's important because calorie counting takes us away from our hunger cues and fullness cues. Um, And on top of that, metabolically, our ghrelin, our leptin, and our thyroid is all messed up typically. So that's another thing that wrecks our hunger and fullness. So I want you to think of it like a gas tank and let's think of it like empty as like you're so hungry, very, 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 very hungry. And what are the symptoms of being very hungry? Faint, dizzy, weak, um, can't think about anything except for food, maybe like salivating when you see food. And then if we move up on the gas tank, we get to slightly hungry. And that is like a quarter of a tank empty, whereas like the other one is all the way empty, like being very, very, very hungry is all the way empty. Quarter of a tank is being pretty hungry, like definitely ready to eat. This is a good time to start eating. And these symptoms are typically like slightly thinking about food, maybe a little bit of tummy action. Not everyone feels hunger in their stomachs, but just thinking about food, maybe some hunger in the tummy, um, maybe a little bit of like tiredness and just kind of, I wouldn't say overly tired. I'd say just a little bit of tiredness and you know, you're just ready to eat. Not dizzy, not like brain fog, can't concentrate, just, just a little hungry. Okay, great. That's a great place to eat. Both of those places are great places to eat. And then we have the middle, which is like half full, half empty. And that's also, I would say like time to eat, you know, I would say that's maybe you are just thinking a little bit about food. You got a little bit of food in you. Maybe you're in the middle of eating your meal. You're feeling satisfied. You're feeling grounded. You're feeling good. And then going up into full. So this is like three-fourths. Then I would say the symptoms of that are you can feel the food in your stomach. It's a good thing. You feel energized and maybe like satisfied, ready to move on. Sometimes you want, maybe want to keep eating. Sometimes you don't know, but you're satisfied and you're good to stop. 
And then we have completely full and that is overly full and that's like stuffed, having to like unbutton your pants, needing to take a nap, needing to lay down. Again, brain fog, except for like opposite. (laughs) And so that's like a way that you can kind of challenge your hunger and fullness cues is like by thinking of it as a gas tank, which like I said, I don't love the analogy, but that's kind of what I'm working with at the moment with my clients. So maybe you could write down your own version of what this looks like for you and just writing down all the symptoms that you have while you're hungry, while you're eating, while you're full and kind of mapping out where those belong on this gas tank, so to speak. Seven, this is point seven, unfollow calorie counting accounts. I honestly don't think I need to elaborate on that. I think that's one you can do today, you can do tonight. And I think that's a really good thing to do. I don't think... Um, they're going to miss you. I don't think that they, it seems like the people who run those accounts aren't even people. I'm like, who are these people? (laughs) Like they're not aesthetically pleasing. They don't look cute. They, it's just too much information and it's information that I don't think we need. It's just recycled information and who cares? So I'm following social media accounts. Eight, this is point eight. I would say adding in journaling and meditation is actually pretty key. So that's point eight. And a question you can think about is what is the false sense of control that calorie counting is bringing me? What is it a symbolic substitute for? Where like calorie counting is a false sense of control because we think that we have control over what we're eating, but it actually has control over you, right? Because if we stop, we feel panic, we feel we're not grounded, we feel scared, anxious, and that means we don't actually have control. It's false, and that means it's controlling us. So I like to do a little bit of journaling here, like what is the sense of control that calorie counting is bringing you that, that is a symbolic substitute? What is, where are you lacking control in your life that you feel like you need to have it with calorie counting? Um, just something to think about. Point nine is to not engage in distractions while you're eating. So this can lead to a stress response and it may distract you from your food, probably will, which can lead to not satisfying the pleasure center in your brain. So we all have a pleasure center in our brain and we need it to be satisfied in order for us to feel satisfied by our meal. And when we're distracted, we typically aren't paying attention to how we're actually feeling. And when we're not telling our brains, like I am eating a delicious and nourishing meal right now when we're watching TV instead or when we're watching YouTube or when we're listening to podcasts, when we're working, we're not thinking about the food we're eating. And so that part of our brain is not satisfied and, it, and it's going to tell us to keep eating until we satisfy that part of us. So this can lead to eating more food than you may actually like want or need. And so it's really important to engage in no distracting eating, non-stressful eating, and really sitting with your meals looking at your food, thinking about the food you're eating. It doesn't have to be like a romantic relationship with your meal, but just acknowledging the fact that you're eating is enough. And I watch TV when I eat sometimes too. I'm not amazingly perfect at this, but just taking a moment is is better than nothing. Okay, how are you doing? <laughs> the last point I have is to be mindful of food timing. Eating enough early in the day and not skipping breakfast and lunch, eating a light enough dinner where you still have room for maybe a bedtime snack without feeling full, like overly full and overly stuffed before bedtime, that is ideal. 
It's very, very important that we eat within an hour of waking up, that we don't have coffee before our meals, that we, again, have protein, carbs, and fat sources in our meals, that we make sure we're utilizing balanced snacks to help keep our blood sugar stable. Um, I am a big fan of a bedtime snack. I think it's so important to have a little something in the system so that we can have proper, you know, sleep detoxification. So we give our liver some glycogen stores so we get a good night's sleep without waking up in the middle of the night, healing our brains, healing our hormones while we sleep. All these things are really important. So I like to tell my clients, if they can, to make sure they're eating dense meals. Of course, I want you to eat a dense dinner, eating enough dinner, but not eating so late at night to where they like cannot have a bedtime snack uh, because they're just way too full. So I like to eat dinner around 5.30 to 7, I'd say. This is just me. Everyone's different. 5.30 to 7. And then having a bedtime snack around 9 or 9.30. Like usually I'll have some yogurt, some fruit, some protein, and a little bit of carbs to help me, soothe me, just puts me right to sleep. And I love it. So those are all my tips. <laughs> this episode was a little longer than I thought it would be, but I guess I just had a little bit more information to let you know. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you, you found this helpful. Again, this is a lot of information. You can re-listen to this if you need, but just take take away one thing and just try it out. And even you listening to this is beautiful intention and you are doing amazing. So thank you so much for being here, for your presence, for your listening. And I love and appreciate all of you. Follow my Take the Cake Instagram if you'd like. I also have my personal Instagram link down below. You can also check the show notes for my website. And I am an eating disorder recovery coach. So if you're interested in coaching, you can sign up for the waitlist on my website and I would love to connect with you and learn from you and hear from you. Thank you again and I will see you all on next week's episode. Bye.